0: You're listening to ThoughtCast. I'm Jenny Atiyah, and I'm at the Dog-Eared Bookstore in the Mission District of San Francisco. Kate Rosenberger, the owner of Dog-Eared and other independent bookstores nearby, like Phoenix and Red Hill Books, has chosen a poem by the poet Charles Simic called Grey-Headed Schoolchildren. Kate, why Charles Simic? It's the poem. It's the poem. Do you find there's something about his vision that speaks to you? Apparently, he grew up in Yugoslavia during the World War II years and suffered a great deal and came to the United States, learned English, published his first poetry at the age of 21 in a foreign language. Wow, nice. Uh, You know more about him than I do.
1: (laughs) What I know, what I know is this, that I, that I found this poem in The New Yorker, and I cut it out and stuck it to the front of my fridge, and was just really taken with the places in between is the phrase that keeps coming to me.
0: What we put on our fridge, I think we really identify with strongly. I have
1: notes from old friends. I have artwork. I have, now, I've got a bunch of letter magnets that my six-year-old plays with. I've got all kinds of everything. It's a, it's a moving collage, my fridge, and it's a history. It's a history of, of my time and the place that I'm living in. Would you read it, please? Sure. Gray-headed school children. Old men have bad dreams so they sleep little. They walk around on bare feet without turning on the lights or they stand leaning on gloomy furniture listening to their hearts beat. The one window across the room is black like a blackboard. Every old man is alone in this classroom squinting at that fine chalk line that divides being here from being here no more. No matter, it was a glass of water they were going to get. But not just yet. They listen for mice in the walls, a car passing down the street, their dead fathers shuffling past them on their way to the kitchen.
0: Interesting that he has this room where old men are not just one, but many old men and their dead fathers. It's a busy room, (laughs) but it only has old men.
1: Um, I think of it as, as the ancestors passing before you.
0: Thirsty. Thirsty as we are in the middle of the night. There's something about an old man in the Mm. middle of the night, probably in his pajamas. In this case, Charles Simic imagines him barefoot, not in cloppy slippers or something. Mm. Mm. That speaks to us all, I think. Mm. Mm. We've Mm. all seen it. Yes, and
1: I'm not an old man, but I've done it. Well, I'm 50. I've got the insomnia from time to time, and you do. You wander your house at night, and you listen.
0: The old men in this poem are really not happy. I can't help but think that If it was an old woman, if they were old women, it would be a different kind of poem. Hmm. There's something extremely lonely Hmm. about an old man alone in a room. Are we doing a gender divide here? I'm only asking the question. (laughs) (laughs) I'm curious what you think
1: about that. I think what calls to me about the poem is my father's crossing. As far as whether it's an old woman or an old man, a a woman might have put slippers on, really. Um, And I see her perhaps more in a bathrobe, um, and a man more in jammies, but who knows what the author's intent is. At the best of times, I think, we take what calls to us from a piece of work, whether it's a poem or a story or or a painting, and
0: we go from there and um, make it our own. In the poem, Charles Simic seems to be transforming this dark gloomy room into a classroom. Yeah. It's in this classroom that the old men look at this chalkboard where there's a line that divides the living from the dead. Yeah. I think
1: it's the lessons we've learned as we reach the end of our lives. You know I was was spending some time with a friend recently who's had a hard time and who's been doing a lot of meditating and a lot of Buddhist introspection and she was saying that it takes twenty years to be born and ten years to die and I think this is perhaps part of the ten years of dying that there is a lot of introspection, there is a lot of looking back on your life and not necessarily regrets, not necessarily what somebody has achieved
0: but perhaps just a sightline. Maybe the learning, the classroom, is the way to sort of regurgitate your life and see what it was actually about. We go through so quickly, and then suddenly we're old, alone. Oh my
1: God, I just <laughs> figured out I've only got 30 <laughs> years left to live, let me
0: tell you, You
1: know, you've gotta, you've gotta think, well, time apparently seems to speed up in the second half of your life. For all this time you spend in the classroom looking out the window, the time seems so slow, and I, I don't know how old you are, but but it seems once you get past the half point it's really speeding up and I'm understanding this is actually quite a tangible discovery, but um, it's so I understand about the classroom and the, and that framework of knowledge and experience.
0: I had a grandfather who slowed down visibly, and when you asked him what he was doing, he said, I'm waiting to die, mm. which was not the cheeriest comments. <laughs> maybe not what you were looking for. No, and um, I can imagine if I were waiting to die, I would be going through my memories and in some way sorting them out, maybe categorizing them or neatening them up or saying goodbye to them. And uh, in this poem we have this classroom metaphor, but then Charles Simic seems to drop it for the latter third. He says no matter. It was a glass of water they were going to get, but not just yet. They listen for mice in the walls, a car passing on the street, their dead fathers shuffling past them on their way to the kitchen. As you read earlier, but I feel like we've left the classroom now. We're, mm. we're in some kind of transitory place, mm. a hallway, a, mm. a way to the kitchen, a way to mm. the bedroom, but not either. Mm. And uh, it's kind of spooky. Dead fathers, mice in the walls, a car passing, it's dark. I think to me it speaks
1: of, of the in-between that I referenced before of the being here and the being here no more. And, and it doesn't necessarily matter I think when you get older and when you get older, you get so old, you're so much more in the present. You, you may be thinking a lot about what's happened and where you've been and how you've lived your life, but I, you know, there's the infantile progression as well, where I think you are so in the present and you're not looking for the future so much. Uh, I think a lot of people you know, don't look forward to dying and that
0: crossing, so maybe that's what he's referencing. What I've learned about Charles Simic is that critics call him somewhat transparent in his mm. poetry mm. Uh, and I would have to agree that mm. you understand what he's saying in the poem. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to get out a thesaurus or a history book to right. figure it out. Right. Uh, just to come full circle here, I asked you to think of a book, a poem, a play, a piece of literature that meant something to you, yeah. that was important to you and yeah. you chose this Charles Simic poem. Are we still as a culture turning to the written word for meaning? Is this concept of the written word under some form of assault from visuals, for example, from pixels? I think the written word will always be important and you've got to remember
1: that ever since the printing press was invented people have been freaking out about the
0: state of publishing. You've got to put it in perspective on some level. Independent bookstores are going through an extremely hard time Mm. how come you're managing
1: the bookstores that are having a really hard time i think are the traditional bookstores that are all new books and it's the combination that you've got to have um the used books a little bit of new and the remainders there's this adage about used bookstores that you can always tell what year the bookstore was opened because the bookstore is frozen in time in that year. And that's often true. I think uh, one of the things I've really tried to do is stick my head out the door as often as possible and take a look around. You've got to constantly adapt yourself to the changing times and you've got to be really humble and you try things that don't work, and you try things that do work, you try things again that maybe they didn't work then, but maybe they'll work now, and you've just gotta keep evolving with the times. And you can't be resentful of how times are changing and how the technology is coming in, and you've got to use it to your
0: advantage. Not far from here is Modern Times Bookstore. Yes. Is that a bookstore that's frozen in time?
1: well you know we all love each other we're all good neighbors um and i'm very happily next to modern times borderlands uh specialty store and 826 valencia the pirate shop otherwise known as the pirate shop dave egger's enterprise and it's a wonderful cluster here of bookstores and the more the merrier of people coming to the area to look for stuff
0: is your clientele on two legs, uh, do they walk in, or are you doing well online or through the mail? Well, will say they bicycle by, they bicycle <laughs> in, I've got to
1: say. Valencia Street's a very strong bicycle street. It is uh, 99% through the door. And we're doing a little bit of online, no pleasure at all in the online business, not for me. We do call this matchmaking, finding books and people and getting them together. And that's one of the joys, is talking to people and finding out what they like and what they don't like and helping them find something that they hopefully will like. So it's, it's, you've got to keep adapting. Well, Kate Rosenberger, thank you very much. Thank you. Pleasure.